0: until you learn something new every day on Community Roundup. I am Joan Boyd, Go Coordinator of Communications and Community Outreach for the Palm Springs Unified School District. We are here with you the second Sunday of each month to share something new and exciting about the district. Thank you to Alpha Media for allowing us the opportunity to be a part of the show. This segment is produced by my dedicated student interns in the Digital Arts Technology Academy, also known as DATA, at Cathedral City High School under the direction of Mr. Mr. Bryce Johnson. Our interns as of like a week or so ago are graduated, Brianna Mays and Emily Martin, but we record a little in advance and they are still working as hard as they did over a year now. So ladies, thank you, thank you for everything that you've done. We wish you the best in college and um, please do keep in touch and Thank you again. If you like what you hear today, I will share some information with you on how to hear more by subscribing to our podcast. And we'll talk about that at the end of the segment. Today, I am very pleased to welcome our Pop Springs Unified School District Board of Education President, Mr. John Girardi. Welcome, sir. How are you?
1: Thank you, John. I'm well, and it's very nice to be here.
0: Well, and it's been a while. You've been on the show before. Um, We might have. I'm not sure if we, uh, I know, I think you were in the studio
1: once or twice.
0: So I miss, miss, miss our studio. And um, we can officially go back now. But I think we were in such a mode and, you know, everybody kind of got used to doing it this way that we just said, we'll finish out the year. And then when the interns start up for the next school year, we'll be back in our studio because that's the way it's supposed to be. So, anyway, um, we do have a, a great studio over at Cathedral City High School, and I am looking forward to getting back to that. But for those who do not know you, and I really can't believe that that would be possible, but tell us how long you've been on the board, what you do for a living, and where you live.
1: All right. Well, I uh, live in Desert Hot Springs. I've been up here for about 20 years, after 20 years in Palm Springs, mm-hmm. I uh, teach accounting for College of the Desert, and I'm also pursuing a doctorate degree in community college leadership. And I've been on the board for Palm Springs Unified going on eight years now.
0: Wow! So yeah, I didn't realize. I guess I probably did, but I, I guess I didn't realize that you have been in Palm Springs in the Coachella Valley for like forty years.
1: Yeah, I almost I'm almost a native, not quite, but uh, close.
0: I kind of feel that way too. For me, it's been like 32 years, so I, it's getting there. You know, you can still tell where I'm, where I'm from, though. I can't. I as much as it's dissipated a little bit, people still know that right. I don't come from Texas. I try right. to say that and like no it sounds like the little east coast i go yeah okay just a little well, anyway. you know,
1: actually originally i'm from the east coast too i'm a brooklyn kid and uh, but we yeah we moved out here when i was 5 though so uh, i never got the accent i don't think
0: well yeah i it would take a little longer than that but john when i am you know i i was um i was about you know in my mid 20s when i moved out here but give me five minutes with my friends and gotcha. that accent is back full board uh, so you know it, you can take the kid out of new york but can't take new york out of kid you know,
1: absolutely that's just,
0: just the way it goes but i didn't know you were you were from the east coast yeah so you moved right from uh from new york to california or did you go yes
1: uh, yeah my parents when they were young uh my father in particular found a lot of, there was a lot of opportunity for engineering back then. He was a civil engineer. So we moved to um, pretty much the Inland Empire, the um, Ontario Upland area, area, and then I grew up in Corona for part of the time. And then um, after I graduated from high school in my middle 20s, I met someone and came to the desert. And so that's what brought me out here. Very
0: cool. So tell us, why did you decide to run for the Board of Education eight years ago?
1: Well, <laughs> you you uh, ask
0: think, yourself that every day,
1: huh? <laughs> no, right. Uh, actually, um, you know, is when the district first went to trustee areas and uh, Desert Hot Springs was going to have somebody representing just that particular area. And I thought, with my background, um, I was just a natural fit for the position. I was I'm in education by teaching over at College of the Desert. I understand the value of education and the importance for a lot of people. Um, and then I had a pretty good sense of Desert Hot Springs since I'd been on the Planning Commission for ten years. So I think I knew the community pretty well. So I thought at that time I was a real good I was a good fit for for the board.
0: That makes sense, and so. What over the the past, the, during the time that you've been on the board, what things are you most proud of?
1: I think the most proud is that we're holding two meetings a year in Desert Hot Springs. We hold two board meetings a year in Desert Hot Springs. So we're bringing, uh, we're allowing the community to experience board meetings without having to go to the district office. I think Freeways are a natural barrier to a lot of people and a lot of people didn't wanna cross the freeway. So we're bringing it here. Uh, The residents, the community members get to come to a board meeting twice a year and see how we operate, talk to us and engage in communication and conversation. I really am proud of that. Um, I think also our focus is growing in dual enrollment programs or um, dual language programs uh, where we're teaching students uh, both in English and Spanish, by the time they graduate, hopefully throughout their whole educational career, by the time they graduate uh, 12th grade, you know, not only do they get the seal of uh, the, the seal of biliteracy, but they are biliterate. They'll process information in both languages. And it's, uh, I think that's just a wonderful opportunity for all students. I, I really would like to see us expand that program. It's- I think it's- it Very really nice.
0: is yeah and you're talking about our um our dual immersion language academy Thank that's you. over at vista del monte and th- this this program started with the kids who are now in sixth grade and every year they have you know moved together because those kids there's two classes of kids and yeah they might maybe there are a couple kids that dropped out but mm. For, by and large, those kids are moving together through every grade level and being taught in both languages. And this will continue through their graduation. And it's it's so cool. I mean, I wish that there was a program like that for my kids when they were going through Absolutely. elementary school.
1: In my perfect world, the whole district would be that way. So, you take it incrementally, right? You do it one step at right. a time, and hopefully we'll get there.
0: And you know what, like I minored in Spanish, you know, going to college back East. I said, I think I'm going to end up on one of the coasts. And so it's either going to be, you know, population that's more, they're Spanish speaking from out of Puerto Rico or they're Mm -hmm. Spanish speaking out of Mexico. And either way, knowing both languages in the world of journalism or where is going to be beneficial to me. John, I minored in Spanish, and I understand fairly well, I can't speak, you know, because you got to live it, right? And these kids are living it. They're, you know, and and when I, you were on the, I went on the visit that you guys went on, um, was it, I think it was last fall, Mm -hmm. and we saw these kids in, like, I think they were in third or fourth grade, and they were speaking Spanish, like, like it's their native language and I said to the principal well these kids speak spanish at home right because it's both ways right there's kids whose first language is spanish learning english and she said oh no most of them speak english at home and it was just like mind boggling like, i could not believe it it's okay. a great program
1: it is and and it's beneficial both ways obviously you know for the english speaker to learn another language, particularly Spanish, in this day and age is very beneficial. I mean, there are so many uh, opportunities out there where you need to be bilingual. Right. Also, what about the Spanish-speaking child? I mean, how I can't imagine how difficult it must be to learn when the subject is difficult to begin with, and you don't understand the language. So it's. I think there's benefits for everybody involved here.
0: and, and English. For every expert you talk to, English is the most difficult language to learn because right. we have exceptions to every single rule there is, and every time you learn a, a rule, you feel, right. oh, except for this, and except yeah. for this, and it's not—it's not easy.
1: Right.
0: So, what do you feel are the biggest challenges? And and you know, after when we get into our podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about what it's been like. During COVID. So, but, but just in general, what do you feel the biggest challenges within our district and education across the state and nation?
1: Well, I think the biggest challenge is improving student success and learning. Um, it's very difficult. I mean, there, we, there, we try a lot of different programs, but the increases, the achievements we see are very small incrementally. And it takes a very long time to really realize any true learning increases, for lack of a better way to say that. So I think that's the biggest challenge. How do we get more students throughout the country? How do we get more students to be more successful in learning the material, particularly math, uh, math and sciences? It's, um, that's a very big challenge, I think.
0: So what's the answer?
1: <laughs> if I knew that, I'd go into consulting. Um, yeah. You know, there's no easy answer, and and you know, you just have to try different techniques. And I think we're getting better at it because now in education, and particularly, we're starting to use data, and we're starting to look at the data and see what's been, what works and what doesn't work, and then we can capitalize on what is working. And you know, extend that out and eliminate those things that are not working because that's inefficient. So I think by bringing in more data, um, uh, um, analyzing what that what the results are telling us, I think that's going to change a lot. But it's going to be slow. It's just a slow process.
0: Yeah, I, agreed. And like you said, if if anybody had the the true answer to that, then you know we we'd be we'd be rich and we'd have you know, we have all of these stars graduating and no issues.
1: I I do think there are some basics. I I don't want to just brush it aside. I think, you know, the most successful schools we see, there's a high level of parent engagement, it seems to be. So how do we get more, either more parents engaged, or how do we be more like the parent in the student's life, I guess. I mean, maybe sometimes for some students, the school has to become their role models, their parents, and and be the ones that really inspire them and encourage them and, and really let them know that they can do this, that they can achieve whatever they really want to set out to achieve. I mean, that's one of the best things about this country is you can come from anywhere and just about achieve anything you want if you really have the desire to do so.
0: Absolutely. All right, John, so before we run out of time on the uh, community roundup, the million dollar question that we all wanna know is, so you're you're coming around to the end of your eighth year on the board, you gonna run for re-election?
1: Well, um, right now I, I, I'm still undecided, but I would tell you I'm leaning to not. So um, I think it's time, uh, one, Uh, The board is real healthy. I think it operates very well. They have a good philosophy. I think they understand what the role of the board is. Um, I think there are other people in my community who can bring in a fresh perspective now. Um, And I think it would be a good time, a good time to possibly step down.
0: All right. So, John, continuing on here with our podcast. I. I would agree with you that there are um, probably some really good candidates in the Desert Hot Springs trustee area. And I hope that if you do decide that um, you're going to retire from the board, um, that you you will seek those people out, because you're a hard act to follow. Because over the years, now this is true. Over And and I'm supposed to be impartial, and I am when it comes to, I I can work with anybody, and of course will, Um, but I've heard from people over the years, since you've been on the board, you know, like your first term was coming around, so you you start asking people who you're, you know, in the community, well, well, you know, you think you're going to run, and I couldn't find anybody who, did. you did run unopposed, didn't you? Yes. That's correct. Yeah. So, you know, that says a lot about about you and the trust that the community has in you. So you've um, you've served the community very well. And yes, I know you're you're really busy. I don't think maybe I did know and forgot that you were uh, pursuing your doctoral degree. And that's that's fabulous. And I don't know how you're having time to do that because you work full time and you're the Board of Education president. And, 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 and you're active, an active Rotarian. And um, speaking of that, I will just say this because we're talking and everyone knows we record this show in advance. So this event is still fresh in my mind because it literally was only, you know, a couple weeks ago. The Big Heart Awards get better each and every year. And um, this year was especially great because we haven't had one in two years because uh, the last one was right before everything shut down. So Mm -hmm. last year's you guys still did it, but it was virtual and certainly not the same. And it's really a highlight for a lot of us in the school district and the entire community because it's just so well done and you honor educators and community people who are um, well-deserving volunteers and people from the water district and police and fire. And this year you added a health a health person who happens to be our, our director of health services in the district. And that was that was a, a, an excellent choice, if I do say so myself. Um, it was great. And you, sir, are, have emceed that event since I can remember. And that is no easy task.
1: yeah well i'll tell you i'm very honored that they allow me to do that because i think it is a a highlight for the desert hot springs community um every year though the next day i'm a little more tired
0: (laughs) i bet because it's and and i think i think the bios this year john were longer than they've ever been and not to say that that's a bad thing i think that every word was was um not uh, necessary is the wrong word but I, they were, you know, it wasn't fluff. I mean, they were all well, well chosen words, but they were longer um, intros to the people. And I just kept thinking, God, he's got to be exhausted.
1: Well, you know, that, that's probably the hardest part is you get all this information on, on all the awardees and you have to pare it down. Right. And there's so much good information in there that it's hard to prioritize what's more important than the other. That's the hardest part of the entire event.
0: So you know that my background is journalism and that is specifically why I went into print and not broadcast because I took broadcast, I took radio and television uh, news writing and, and you know, broadcasting classes. And they said I had to get, you know, something in a 30-second soundbite. I'm like, yeah, you're talking to the wrong one. I can't do that. I um, It's hard for me to tweet. Even now with 280 characters versus 140, very hard for me. So I know exactly what you mean and you're 100% right. And, you know, that's why sometimes I run out of time on this show because I just like to talk. So that, you know, and so when you're trying to summarize people's, backgrounds and talents and the reason that they're being nominated it's hard to to whittle it down because there's so much
1: absolutely but
0: that 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 event is fabulous and i do hope you run again john but understand where you're coming from and just help us get a person as equally committed as you've been that's all i ask
1: i appreciate your faith in me thank you very much
0: absolutely so Let's reflect a little bit, not a whole lot, because we're happy now that we're moving into a better place. COVID's not going away. Um, If it does, we'll all be shocked because anybody you talk to, anybody in the medical profession said, we're gonna move from a pandemic to an endemic and it's gonna be like the flu and everybody's gonna go get a shot every year for COVID. But hopefully we're not gonna be in a place that we were in for two full years. Um, What was that like being part of the governing board at a time where you were trying to make decisions that, you know, I, I mean, you're making decisions that affect kids and parents all the time, but these were decisions that like, who knew, who knew what was best, you know? So what was the guiding philosophy and how did you feel?
1: Well, I I think in our community, in our school district, we were very fortunate to have a a supporting community. Um, They knew what a difficult time we were having that as soon as you made a plan, that plan was thrown out the window and you had to make another plan. So um, I, I do think it was probably harder on our administration than it was on the board. But I think our guiding philosophy was listen to the science, listen to what the experts are telling us. And, and go with that and I think by being consistent in that regard I also think by having gained some um, confidence from the from the community members uh, they bought into it they, they they accepted the direction we went fairly well so I think uh, um, the status that the school district has in the community of being well run I think that really helped us quite a bit
0: Uh, I agree with you and like looking, you don't have to look very far, like maybe just a couple miles down the road. um, What other districts across the state, across the country have been dealing with when it comes to a lot of pushback from families, uh, because they feel like, yeah, okay, the health officials are saying this. And you, as Board of Education members, can push back on that if you want to. And why aren't you? And thankfully, our parents did not, that, there were a few, there's yeah. always going to be a few, but by and large, uh, it's like you said, this community trusts the, um, their school administrators, their teachers, the district administration and the Board of Education. And they do, you know, you have to listen to somebody, right? I mean, like, who are you gonna, you know, truthfully, even the health officials, sometimes they were grasping at straws, but you have to listen to somebody. And, you know, to just because, you know, people felt as if their rights there, and I'm using air quotes there, were being taken away because you told them they have to wear a mask is not, you know, you you had you needed some kind of guiding, guiding um, guidance, direction, you know, somebody had to make a decision. And since this was new for everybody, who better to look at, look toward the, you know, the California Department of Public Health and the Riverside County Department of Health?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's a medical issue. We have to rely on the information that our medical professionals are telling us. And that's what we did. And we were very consistent in that approach. And, I, and our community really um, supported us in that. And I think also, you know, a lot of people on a, a big portion of our community are our multi-generational families. You know, they didn't want to risk anything. I mean, you know, they didn't want to take any undue risk. I think that helped with the support too. But I think by and large, it's, it's the trust they had in what we were doing through, because of our history in decision making that really made this community, um, made this uh, circumstance a little more tolerable. And, you know, I'm not saying, other districts are well run too and they just have dis- different constituents, um, but ours, ours were very accepting, I have to say. We were very blessed in that regard.
0: I am uh, very grateful every, every time there's something that comes up that is conf- uh, controversial because I know that our board and our um, administration and our parents are going to be sane about it, you know, and think think it through and not just, you know, react um, knee jerk, you know, and and one of the worst things, and I'm sure you'll agree uh, in my perspective about COVID, other than, of course, the virus itself and the devastation, the loss of life and all of that it's been the politics around it it's right. just it's, it's it's awful it's divided this country so much worse than it already was and in it's terrible because if people would just you know realize that this is you know it, it's all about human life and it's not about you know your rights as a, a government trying to take away your rights is like if you can just look at it sanely and trying to realize that everybody's perspective or everybody's um goal is the same and that's to keep everybody safe
1: right
0: and if you don't want to wear a mask like okay we're past that but before if you don't want to wear a mask then don't but stay home you know (laughs) anyway okay before we run out of time john when you leave the board and i I still am hoping that it's going to be a long time from now, but whether it's in a few months or in a few years, what legacy would you like to leave
1: behind? Our governing model. Um, you know, a lot of times when uh, pe- individuals get elected to boards like this, um, they don't understand the separation between administration and governing. And we've got a very solid model that keeps it separate. And I think that's what makes us run very well. The board focuses on policy and administration implements the policy. We don't tell them how to implement the policy, but we hold them accountable for for making the policy happen and results, particularly student results. And I think that separation, that's the legacy I want to Leave. I think that's very important. I've seen too many dysfunctional boards because they wanna get into the operations of the district and it just doesn't work well that way. So I hope to leave that. I've been trying to really instill that um, this year in, in all the board members that they continue with this approach. And I certainly hope they do if, if I step down.
0: that's You know what, that's great, John. I mean, and, and that's true and I'm sure it's difficult for a lot of boards to, you know, kind of stay in their lane, I guess, is, yeah. the, is probably a good way to put it. And not for lack of caring or lack of, you know, um, tr- couldn't power or control. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about understanding the role. And right. you certainly do. So another reason why I hope that you change your mind and, and run again. And you probably, you know, if they hear that you're running, I'm sure you're also going to like, you're not going to have any opposition again, because anyway, all right, I'm I'm beating a dead horse and I, and I, I will, I will, um, leave it alone, but just know you're beloved in our, in our district, John, and you've been, you've been a, um, an excellent board member and, um, like, you know, the, it, the fact that you ran unopposed last time really says volumes that's that's truth because that's the biggest vote of confidence right nobody runs against you then uh, you must be doing something right
1: Oh, uh, thank you um
0: so um any uh you're probably gonna say no but i'll ask anyway do you have future political aspirations
1: no uh, no, no, I don't. Actually, I wrong. wish
0: people could see your eyes right now. I can't. They can't. But you were like, oh, are you kidding me?
1: No, you know, it's funny because people ask, well, what are you going to do when you get your doctorates? And my reply is, retire. <laughs> to that point.
0: Wow. Well, then, so it's more about just being able to say you did it.
1: Yeah, well, that, and and I love learning. I just, I really like learning something new.
0: <laughs> and another thing. So, okay, two things. And I have to wrap up. Lifelong learning starts here. And there you go. That, right. And you learn something new every day, which is the name of this show. And exactly. on that note, John, thank you. Thank you for being here. This was great. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure.
0: A new podcast is uploaded each week. Please subscribe by going to iTunes. Look for you to learn something new. Press subscribe. Please tell all your friends to do the same. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Brianna and Emily. Knock them dead in college. And we will see you next week.